Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Connections between France and North Africa have long been shaped by colonialism, nationalism, and economics. This intercultural relationship has also been mediated through the arts. In Muslim women in French cinema, voices of Maghrebi migrants in France, Leslie Kellefer Kemp examines one population who has often been left out of these cultural formations. Kemp focuses on the representation of first-generation Maghrebi women in France in documentaries, short films, feature films, and telefilms. Her analysis revolves around filmic textual analysis and the production, audience reception, and distribution of these art forms in contemporary French society. Kemp is attuned to filmic genre conventions, narrative structures, and formal techniques that media producers and artists use to both appeal to large mainstream audiences while challenging dominant stereotypes about Muslims. In our conversation, we discuss views of North Africans in French society, means for recovering voice in film, the role of religion in French cinema, the mediation of subjects in documentary films, the role of objects in voicing difference, expressing agency of women protagonists, the goals of dialogue and voiceover versus body language or nonverbal communication, and film's ability to challenge dominant stereotypes in France. I'm one of your co-hosts, Christian Peterson, and thanks again for listening to another episode of New Books in Islamic Studies. Without any further ado, here's my conversation with Leslie Kellefer Kemp about Muslim women in French cinema, Voices of Maghrebi Migrants in France, published with Liverpool University Press in 2016. Welcome, Leslie. Thanks for joining us on New Books in Islamic Studies. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. So uh, this book, Muslim Women in French Cinema, uh, I really enjoyed. It's a topic that I'm, I'm certainly interested in. And you do uh, a really expansive job in covering not only what we might kind of expect, but um, but all sorts of genres and, and types of uh, materials. Uh, and I think it's a really uh, wonderful resource for, for folks that might be uh, interested in exploring this further. Um, but before we get to the book, uh, could you tell us a little bit about... Um, how you got where you are, what brought you to cinema studies, what brought you to the study of Muslims in France? How, how did you get where you are? Sure. Well, I, um, as an undergraduate, uh, I, I studied French and political science, and I was always interested in, uh, in immigration in France, I guess always since I kind of discovered the diversity of France and started looking at it from a political perspective. Um, and I wanted to find ways of bridging my interests. And so when I wanted to continue to go to graduate school, I chose to go to Florida State University um, because they have a program there that's really open to uh, also, you know, literary projects, but also kind of cultural studies approaches. And there's a Winthrop King Institute for French and Francophone Studies there. And uh, Alec Hargreaves was the director of the program at the time. And he kind of wrote the book on <laughs> uh, immigration in France. And um, so I you know, wanted to work with him. And when I arrived, I, a lot of my coursework was actually in literature. And um, I, I came to film a little bit later, but um, it was, you know, I, I think it, it really opened my eyes when I started looking, you know, uh, we also, you know, study oftentimes in the more classical uh, approaches, the you know kind of 19th century literature, 20th century, these different, um, uh, different kind of a um, more you know, approaches, but, um, uh, as a young scholar kind of realizing there's a whole other, you know, coming into Francophone studies as well. So French and Francophone studies and, uh, and thinking, wow, there's literature from the Caribbean, there's literature from North Africa, there's literature by North Africans in France. And, um, and then finding out of course too, there's a whole body of, of cinema 
And the way I came to this particular uh, subject of Muslim women in French cinema and women from North Africa in particular is my very first semester at Florida State uh, in Alicargave's class. We read uh, a novel called Le Théorème d'Archimède, or Tea in the Harem, by an author uh, called Mehdi Sheref. And he was one of the first... Uh, I guess you would call someone from the second generation of children of, of Maghrebi immigrants in France to uh, become a, a well-known writer. And uh, this was in the early 80s. And in the the dedication of the book, and so it's kind of, to give just brief summary, it talks about uh, it's the experiences of this uh, the protagonist who is of North African origin uh, and his friendship with a, a majority ethnic French uh, Frenchman growing up in the outskirts of Paris and kind of difficult neighborhood. And this, a lot of it was inspired by Mehdi Sheref's life. And so anyway, when I, I opened the book and I read the, the dedication and it said, so to Mabarka, my mother who doesn't know how to read. And so I was just, uh, I remember the moment thinking, wow, this is, you know, this is a part of the population of France I don't know uh, anything about. And I was really touched by the, the, this, the depiction of the mother um, Malika in this book. And Sheref actually, uh, his book was a success and he was he made the, the book into a film. So he was approached by Costa Gavras and, um, and the film was very successful and kind of um, opened people's eyes, I think also, you know, to the presence uh, of this, uh, this population in France, you know, there were other authors as well, but in, in cinema. And um, that's kind of where it started for me in terms of getting, you know, really interested and wanting to know more. And as I went through graduate school and was looking, how might I shape my dissertation? Um, I originally thought I would, you know, do something about you know, this, the first generation, these the generation of the mothers in cinema and literature. And when I started doing my field work and uh, went to France doing research, I found a lot more films than I expected to find. And so that uh, that basically is how the book came to be just about uh, about films. So um, and and you know every kind of step of the way, I started looking at feature films and I thought, wow, there are, there are a lot of documentaries that are really interesting. And there are a lot of short films that are also interesting and, and they're made for television films or telefilm. Um, so that's how the book kind of uh, became shaped. Yeah, this is, that's, that's uh, really interesting. I like that story, how you, you came across these kind of first generation um, immigrants. Could you tell us a little bit about um, North Africans in French society and specifically these first generation Maghrebi women? Uh, what's some of the cultural background we might need to know to get into your project? Sure. Um, so this particular group of women, um, for the most part, um, were the wives of economic migrants who came to France. So the men typically came in the, this is post-World War II, uh, you know, the, the 50s, 60s, uh, and the women tended to come in the 60s and 70s. There was a um, process called regroupement familial, family recruitment. And, um, uh, you know, the, the men, so something to know, um, so I guess in terms of the socioeconomic uh, status, you know, people coming to France looking for work, they did not intend to stay in France. And, um, you know, and it just kind of became uh, the way it was. People, you know, settled, they had jobs, they were often sending money back to, to the home country. Um, and then they had children and the children started going through school. And so it just became... And because of certain laws, it was more difficult to leave for immigration status reasons, uh, more difficult to leave uh, France after in the mid 70s and to kind of come back. So to make sure that they could stay in France and with their uh, with the jobs, um, they you know, they became rooted in France and especially through the through the children. And so um, a lot of, you know, the women, um, for, for a lot of them, there may have been arranged marriages or uh, maybe they lived in either the films that I studied, you know, Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, they may have been separated from their husbands for several years while the husbands were in France or would just come back to visit. And then eventually uh, the husbands brought them to France. And um, so many of the women didn't, didn't you know, speak. They weren't educated um, in, a, in a formal sense. Um, they didn't speak French. Uh, the men had more contact with French society. So you know, in the workplace, the children had more contact with French society in schools. And so, but the women 
Some of them worked outside of the home, some of them didn't, um, but they had a very different experience uh, for that reason. And, um, you know, the, so I guess that's, um, in, in a nutshell, the, the, what, what I call uh, first-generation women um, from, the, from the Maghreb. Now, your work, uh, I would say, is a key work in the scholarship on uh, minority cinema in France. Um, where would you place your book within this uh, subfield, if we could call it? Uh, what, what would you say are some of the, the broader conceptual interventions you've sought to make with your book? Um, well, I guess I, I'm kind of seeking to fill a gap um, in the in looking at a generation of, of women. There, I mean, there are other studies about uh, men in the cinema. There are a lot of studies, uh, you know, works by Carrie Tarr, Will Higby, um, about the cinema produced by uh, and about uh, people of uh, Maghrebi origin. So, um, what maybe calls was can be called Burr literature or banlieue cinema. And um, so I, I just kind of saw that there, there were a lot of films that had been either overlooked or that people didn't know about or roles within films um, that have, a lot has been done about, you know, the children of immigrants, um, their experiences, but, but not about, uh, about the parents' generation. And so that's kind of, uh, you know, what I sought to, to fill. And, and also, um, you know, looking at an, an opportunity to uh, to take this subject and to instead of going on kind of a thematic approach to take, uh, I, I divide the, the book by chapters that are uh, devoted to different types of films. So um, a chapter on documentaries, short films, the telefilm, and then the feature films. So trying to also, especially with the, the made for television films, to uh, to look at films that are not always readily available, but also but have the potential to really impact perceptions about um, about Maghrebi women and the, the broader population, uh, Maghrebi population, and um, so that's you know there's a, there are a lot of there's a lot of exciting work uh, being done, um, but that that was kind of my approach. Yeah, and uh, the the way you framed it uh, around uh, genre, I guess, uh, as opposed to themes, I think really did work well um, when we when we get into uh, these these examples. Um, one of the other, uh, kind of themes you set up in the beginning is this, this idea of voice and, um, mm -hmm. you kind of alluded to this, but, uh, in the book, you point out that these first generation Maghrebi women are often thought to be by the larger society or, or rendered in very particular ways silent. Um, so mm -hmm. what, what does this idea of voice, uh, mean in your study and, and how do you get at it through your analysis? Sure. So yes, as you mentioned, then there's this perception that um, this first generation women, uh, kind of a silent generation, often that, that's kind of a label or, you know, submissive, um, uh, you know, don't communicate, don't branch out, don't get, you know, are very, um, are rooted in France. And so looking at the the, the idea of voice not only uh, you know, can consider it being types of you know, self-expression, but also how the perspectives are transmitted or communicated. And as I was looking at you know, a lot of different films, I realized that this is done in, in many different ways. So this is you know, thinking about it very broadly in terms of like expressing one's the subject position that could be through you know, speech. What do they say? I could, you know, thinking about also in what language, to whom are they speaking? body language, analyzing that um, in, in documentaries, you know, the editing process, how that shapes uh, or constrains um, the, you know, the voices of the women, you know, what they have to say uh, is um, so looking at point of view, subjectivity, representation, uh, agency, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, thinking about just you know, to what extent do the films challenge these, you know, existing perceptions um, that there's a disempowered, you know, generation of Muslim women um, and, um, and, and to think about how the, 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 the film form itself um, can be used to, uh, in different ways, um, you know, to, to do this. And, um, yeah, just to kind of paint a much broader picture of, of Maghrebi women in France. Um, that answers, <laughs> answers your question. Yeah. Um, now, uh, 
since I'm situated uh, within religious studies and Islamic studies more uh, centrally, uh, this is kind of a question that uh, I'm going to take the liberty <laughs> to, to ask. But uh, sure. you, you, you talk about and you point to this in various ways, this kind of intersection of religion and French cinema. Uh, that is not always uh, very explicit or a topic that is of interest. Um, so to, to what extent is Islam uh, as, a, as a category uh, raised in these films? And what, what would you say the inclusion or uh, very often the absence of overt Islamic references tell us since these are, uh, by all accounts, Muslim, Muslim women? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great question. And I think, so as you mentioned, you know, you mentioned the word absence and in a lot of, for the most part, I think there are very few films that in which um, Islam is raised explicitly with reference to first generation women. Um, there are a few, uh, there's a Yamina Ben Yigi documentary called Femme d'Islam and that, uh, and one of the, one of, one part of that focuses on uh, on France, um, in the Théorem d'Archimè that I mentioned, that I was first inspired by, in that film, there's uh, there's one there's a scene of the mother praying. It's a very private moment, and actually, I think that may be that may encapsulate for a lot of the films um, the, the this kind of absence or the the uh, where the women don't necessarily talk about it because it is a very private thing, and um, so there are you know. There are, you know, very very few examples uh, which it's explicitly treated. Yet it often is in in the background, and sometimes um, it may be related to uh, relation. It comes up in relationships between, for example, the parents and the children, and uh, and religion being part of something that the parents. Uh, connect with the with their home country as well and with family and with part of kind of the you know the package that they associate with their home home country and, and not with France is that being a difference um, and so uh, if you know you have, you may have the 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 parents pr- you know practicing in certain ways or having certain um, you know traditions associated with Islam whereas if if the children are uh, seem to be rebelling a little bit it's uh, that's maybe where some some tensions, um, you know, certain expectations for you know young women uh, marrying within re- the religion, something something like that. That that could, um, I wouldn't say it's always conflictual, but it, that that's another area where it can come up. Um, so oftentimes, yes, yeah, tradition transmission, um, and um, you know, so what what does it, does it tell us also that the absence? I think there is a um, a lot of directors i would say are somewhat hesitant to to broach the topic maybe they also just have other things they they want to say or other things they um so it's it's there but not necessarily at the forefront in a lot of uh, in a lot of films and um i think also there's a desire um of course without speaking too generally but by by some uh, directors to not um want to necessarily uh, portray a difference uh, with the main, the uh, the larger population in France, and so to focus on you know the, sim- the, the way people are similar, what they share, um, and of course with, you know integration, religion, those are big, very big uh, topics. And but in in part of it, I think also is think about French culture. There's the idea of, of laicite, and uh, you know that that religion is uh, is kind of it's like a personal thing. So there's a big there's a debate, of course, on the headscarf that's been going on since you know the late '80s um, about what you uh, the public, I guess, side of religion versus the private. And so there's um, I think that is is part of it as well that there's a you know some people you know, hold the belief that it's a, it's religion is private should be within the home and so i think that's also you know probably uh, related as well now um when you when you start the book you uh you get into documentary films first um what are some of the formal patterns that you find in these films uh how does things like uh framing and the mediation of subjects affect how these films can be understood 
Uh, well, so when I was thinking about how to kind of structure the chapter, I was just noticing that uh, in some of the films, there were kind of very heavy handed techniques that were used. Uh, so, you know, it, to uh, convey a message and that the women's voices I felt uh, in, in analyzing these uh, were being in some ways either changed or uh, overlooked or used as kind of a link in the chain to make a certain argument. Um, and so, you know, certain things taken, either very brief interviews included amongst many others um, on, a, on a certain topic uh, or, um you know, as compared to uh, other other types, other approaches, I guess. Um, so looking at not only, you know, what kinds of questions are being asked, um, are who's doing the interviewing, what can what could affect the way in which the women and how maybe comfortable they are speaking. <clears throat> so uh, so all of these and how how does that you know, make an impact? Um so I divide the chapter in, in these three groups. The first kind of heavy-handed approach. The second uh, is uh, a much less heavy-handed approach. And then the third, uh, it seems to be, uh, so I talk about framing, like heavily framed in this first group, uh, not so much in the second. And then in the third, it gives the impression that it's kind of this transparent process that the women's voices are just being shared. But in fact, looking more closely, uh, it's, it's, Doctor isn't the right word, but they're uh, they're, they're it's uh, being framed in a, in a way that you wouldn't necessarily see uh, or or realize, um, you know, without looking more closely. So, and what was interesting to me is the more I, I looked at, so I divided these into these three groups, but then there are always, uh, of course, going to be examples. Um, so maybe the most interesting of uh, the groups to look at was the second one. So. Um, and oftentimes, you know, the directors are thinking, these are women who are not used to, you know, speaking in front of cameras, talking about themselves. Oftentimes, you know, what language are we going to interview the person in? And so they're trying to, to think about, uh, you know, there's no way that the women's voices could come through without any sort of influence. Of course, you know, the questions will be asked, there's certain topics that, uh, that they will focus on. Um, but, you know, how... How did they approach uh, these interviews and these films um, with the women? And so I found some of really, really interesting ones, you know, kind of a minimalist approach. So oftentimes, for example, uh, filming the women in their homes, in their own homes, uh, oftentimes in the kitchen, because uh, that was where the women spent a lot of their time. That's where the discussions in the families happened. It was more intimate space. uh, some of the one director, and actually she was, uh, some of these people, the directors are interviewing their parents or their, their moms. Some aren't, or um, maybe women that they, they knew growing up. Um, but, you know, one uh, woman, I've, and, and actually just to mention, I interviewed quite a few of the directors um, and the documentary filmmakers especially. So it was interesting for me to, to I could actually ask the questions like, how did you set this up? How, um, when thinking about, you know, were the women's voices influenced? Um, how, how did they represent themselves? How are the point of views coming across? And uh, one of the directors I spoke to was interviewing her mom. And uh, she, she talked about actually how she, arrived with a, a film crew and it wasn't that big. It was maybe three or four uh, different people, which you know, she was going to interview. So she had someone doing sound and different as someone you know, working the camera. And she said she noticed that her mom wasn't speaking kind of normally or in the way that she's expressing herself uh, in the same ways that she would when it was just mother and daughter. And so she, the director, totally changed her approach and uh, in the filmmaking process and, and decided to speak to her, uh, you know, her mom could speak in, she spoke Kabila, so she would speak to her daughter the way she normally would. And she would, then the daughter would add subtitles and she got rid of the crew basically. And, uh, and then she felt that this was a more authentic uh, rendering of her mom's, uh, her mom's experience. And then, so that's kind of one um, end of the spectrum and then you have other films like I talk about Yamina Bengigi's Memoir d'Immigré, and uh, you know how you know, she uses she's you know one of the cases is in the is the third group that I mentioned where um, it's it it is fairly 
Uh, it seems a kind of minimalist in terms of uh, that there doesn't seem to be a lot of intervention from the, the filmmaker, from the editing, from others, but it's actually quite involved uh, when you start thinking, breaking down, um, you know, uh, well, for example, uh, there are several different women in this film who are this part of the film who are interviewed, and um, you just hear that you hear their voices, and the the cameras quite close up, uh, so you see their faces, um, and but then you notice that the 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 directors all the questions have been edited out. So you never actually hear the questions that were asked. And so you know that, you know, this conversation is being guided in a certain way, but you don't, but it, it gives the impression that that's not happening or that it's, um, it makes you forget anyway that, and you get the impression that, that you're hearing directly from the women. Um, and so that, th those are kind of some, uh, that hopefully gives just kind of a little bit of an overview of some of the different, you know, techniques, different framing, whether this is in, you know, pre-production um, during the filming itself or in post-production. And, um, and speaking with the directors, I could kind of, some of them, I could get a feel for, uh, did you ask specific questions? Did you uh, ask certain, just about certain time periods? Um, and also something else to mention was, was anyone else present? Um, sometimes the, the directors would ask, you know, if they were friends with the women's children, for example, to have the children present so that they could kind of talk to each other and the filmmaker could step back. And all of these, um, these different approaches had, um, had an impact on what the women, uh, what the women said. Now you also look at a, a set of, of short films, uh, which, uh, is interesting in the sense that maybe not as many people, uh, get to, to view these films also. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, I, I really like the way you, uh, kind of tackle these short films, uh, through the role of objects. Um, so could you talk about what kind of objects do we find in these films um, and how do they give expression to uh, first-generation Maghrebi women? Sure. Um, something I noticed when I was uh, viewing the short films, and as you mentioned, some of these are they're not readily available, unfortunately. Although with the time, um, as time goes on, I'm finding some are, are coming out on, on DVD, for example, um, some of these I had to go to France to see them. Others I could find DVDs, or even now, you know, some of the films date back uh, into the ninety, uh, early nineties, for example. And uh, the filmmakers since then have gone on to to make feature films. And when those films come out, sometimes the the DVD contains a short film as part of a bonus. So, so I'm happy to see that a few of the films, even since this was published, have become available. Um, on on DVD, uh, but to so when I was looking at these films, I noticed you know this was the first time really I I worked in depth on on short films and just noticed that there were certain objects and not at all the same objects that were coming uh, you know, had a, a significant place in these films and that they had a big impact on the narrative and on on the way the women's experiences uh, were being transmitted and this was. As you know, diverse objects from uh, a play script, uh, a ball of yarn, a letter. Um, some of the uh, I talk about some of the objects, you know, letters uh, or written documents that in the film, uh, in the films, you know, will bring people together for various reasons, but also can uh, can hinder uh, ex expression or communication because, uh, the, you know, for example, the women uh, don't. If they don't uh, read French, uh, they, then they need to ask someone for help, and so that that can kind of bring people together. Uh, there's an there's an example of a short film uh, called Un Dimanche Matin à Marseille, Béranger. So um, uh, Sunday morning in Marseille, Béranger is the name of uh, one of the characters, and in this is for only four minute film by Mario Fanfani. Um, the first generation woman receives a letter, and she. Uh, is illiterate she can't so she needs help and uh, she takes it to her neighbor and usually it's the woman of the house who will help her read the letter and presumably write uh, to respond to it but it's the, it's the neighbor's husband who is there and he's uh, not very understanding he's you can tell he's a little uh, he, he doesn't want to help her um, doesn't think much of her 
and the the first generation woman you know says no, I don't won't bother you I'll come back when your wife is here she comes back later comes for help and uh, and yet again and is uh, anxious wants to know what's in the letter and and we learned through the eyes of this neighbor um, who who he sees a whole new side of this woman when he realizes the the letter is from the uh, the woman's son who's in prison and he's not doing so well health wise and so his the neighbor's whole perspective of this McGrebby woman sh- shifts and changes when he starts actually communicating with her and it was this letter that brought them together and um, so that's that's one example um, another object there is a really great film uh, filmmaker uh, called Fejria Deliba and she's actually an actress as well and her. her She's on the cover of the book, <laughs> Fejria Deliba. So she plays, uh, there's a, a feature film called Inshallah Dimanche, and she plays the lead role in that. But she made a short film um, called Le Petit Chaibo, uh, The Little Cat is Dead. And uh, there's, in within this film, it's a dialogue between the mother and the daughter. And uh, they're reading, the daughter asks the mother for help uh, practicing her role in a Molière play. And the mother is is uh, can read French, and so there's kind of a repartee and some misunderstandings that arise uh, in reading this uh, reading this text, where there's a young uh, about relationships, and uh, there's kind of a you know, the bigger um, message about the daughter and what she's doing outside of the home, and um, this. So anyway, this communication comes about and our understanding, uh, better understanding of the, the two ge- generations, their differences in this context in France uh, through reading a, a Molière play. And so this classic French literature also, you know, 17th century brings up the, the, the question you know, about the French language and who's speaking the French language and how and what with, it, you know, then certain accents and how, um, you know, the language is such a central part of French identity and, um, so using that in the film to, uh, and also to transmit, I think one of the very unique things about this film also is there's some humor. Um, uh, there's some, you know, some of the misunderstandings lead to the mother laughing and it's, it's a very joyous film actually as well. And, and it kind of counters sometimes some, there are other films that um, where either the women aren't kind of in the you know, center of the film, but they're also you know, portrayed as, um, holding their daughters back or being stuck to tradition or, you know, not necessarily the most positive view. So I think that, um, you know, it's an interesting film for that reason. And, and the filmmaker actually just, um, that was, she, she, uh, so Fischer Deliba had gone on really with her acting career um, after the film, even the film itself received a lot of um, awards uh, and, but she didn't do any, any more filmmaking after that until just, was last year she had a she made a feature film film called d'une pierre de coup um which is about uh it's kind of uh the, the and actually the daughter both ac- uh, the younger daughter or the actress who plays the daughter is in this film as well and it's almost like Maghrebi family you know 20 years later the children are grown up and the mother uh so the the mother mother daughter and mother children relationship is still very present, but um, within the within the short films, to come back to the objects, it just it was a unique way in a lot of these films to uh, to look at communication, how the women uh, get across um, borders, boundaries, limits in their lives, and um, that was a, kind of a way of highlighting that. And maybe one final example is uh, there's a film called Le Poulot de Laine, The Ball of Yarn. And in this film, there uh, there's a woman who's literal woman who's uh, locked in her apartment uh, with her child while her husband goes to work, and it's it's how she uh, is able to communicate with a neighbor uh, in the same apartment building uh, using objects. And so they don't speak speak the language, but they exchange photos with a basket tied to a string. Um, they they have exchange pastries and uh and and the ball of yarn comes into play with uh, knitting children's clothes but um it's just it's a very unique film that addresses some of the challenges um obviously that's a literal sense being you know locked into apartment but in the broader sense of um, the challenges some you know women of this generation faced when they you know didn't speak french needed to go out and you know do shopping or other things and um, how they were able to negotiate that 
Yeah, it's a it's a good chapter. I really like that approach too. Um, the 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 next chapter you look at telefilms, um, which are mm-hmm. interesting because this is almost kind of the opposite in terms of in audience uh, to these short films, mm-hmm. um, in terms that they're very public. Um, what what would you say are some of the constraining characteristics and possible opportunities of of telefilms, and what kinds of representations of Muslim women do we find? Uh, in these types of mm-hmm. productions, sure. So some of the opportunities and constraints the the telefilm genre, I guess, is is quite specific in that um, it's in terms of so constraints time for one thing because it's uh, telefilm in France. They are it's usually a Wednesday night, at least on the public networks. Uh, they're uh, around maybe eight o'clock at night and. Um, they have to be. They have to fit into the time slot. So they are ninety minutes, and so uh, you know that that's one thing. Uh, and thinking about also in terms of the audience, um, you have you know, the, the short films. Of course, you would, filmmakers would love for their films to be seen by a lot of people, but um, they're not constrained by uh, you know is someone going to turn the channel or are we going to you know, be able to keep the, uh, the viewer's attention. And so that's, that's another thing that's kind of, that is unique, I suppose, about when you're working with the telefilm. Um, making them is different. Also, the, the shooting time is much uh, shorter. Um, and often films will uh, take some sort of inspiration, not always, but on current events and things like that. So there's an early telefilm from the, uh, the early 90s that, uh, that looks at the uh, you know, parents uh, thinking about sending their daughter back to the home country or um, you know, there had been some in just very few, but of course, getting, you know, press, uh, you know, stories about a woman being kidnapped by her brother or father and taken to Algeria to be married off because she was, you know, in, interested in dating a Frenchman, something like that. So um, they, they can kind of, uh, you know, use, be inspired by uh, certain events, or at least that, that can be a reason, you know, that they're, they, they, they're, t- you know, taken on um, in terms of, uh, but of course, opportunities. So those you know, are some constraints, but uh, real opportunities in terms of reaching uh, a public, you know, um, even the most successful films in uh, that I, t- I talk about in my, uh, in my study are nowhere in, you know, in terms of viewership are nowhere near what the telefilms are. Um, you know, you can have millions of people see uh, see the film, and so their in potential impact in shaping perceptions about um, you know, Muslim women, uh, the Maghrebi population. In this case, um, you know, there's a real you know pot- potential there, um, and I think that I look at films from like 1993 until uh, the most recent, uh, just a few years ago, and uh, there's a real. Sh- there's a real change, I would say. Um, there's a real shift. The early ones kind of followed, uh, you know, the, they tend to p- portray uh, women, Muslim, the, the mothers, as holding their children back, or as um, you know, the, when they when the women speak out, it's uh, in a way, you know, either to, to, if they're not silent, to uh, you know, condemn the daughter's behavior, or something like that. Whereas the more uh, more recent ones, notably, for example, the, there's a series called Aisha by Yamina Bengigi and um, uh, and others, but uh, that look at uh, they give a very different portrayal of um, of the Maghrebi mothers as you know seeking to do things for themselves and their own lives. There's a great the mother in that uh, series is a really interesting um, interesting character. She uh, Thinking about, I talk a lot about agency in this uh, in this particular chapter. How women are overcoming barriers or not, and in, in um, how their experiences are communicated. And um, this, the, the mother character is really in Aisha is interesting for a number of reasons. One, I think, because um, it's unique in that there's humor, and uh, and something that struck me in in looking at you know these different kinds of films is that especially like in the documentaries. And in speaking with filmmakers who were uh, filming their mothers, they talked about, and I saw in some documentaries, the just the sense of humor of 
of these women of some, you know, of course, without <laughs> painting with a broad brush, but, um, and that that's the side of the women that a lot of people didn't see because uh, oftentimes maybe they're speaking, you know, for example, Arabic together. And so if you didn't speak Arabic and you, you know, saw people on the street, you maybe wouldn't, you wouldn't understand the humor. You wouldn't know what they're saying. Um, and that the women oftentimes also uh, would, you know, have humor, make jokes, do things when they were among women that they wouldn't necessarily do when men were present. So um, that was kind of something that I, I thought was really interesting but that hadn't really been explored uh, in feature films or in, in the telefilm uh, until, you know, Aisha is a good example. Um, so that that stood out for that reason, that it kind of brought to light this aspect. Uh, and, and I saw a connection uh, that wasn't evident from, um, and that's, of course, not all of the films, but um, for, the, for the telefilm. Um, another um you know, film that's worth mentioning is Le Choix de Mariam, uh, which is by Malik Chiban. And this was a film, so Aisha focused on contemporary France, uh, notably through the, the, the eyes of the daughter, uh, children, the daughter of immigrants, Aisha. Um, Le Choix de Mariam, produced around the same time period, is a two-part telefilm. And that looks at the, which is also unique, looking at the moment of arrival of this first-generation woman, Miriam, and her family. Um, in the in the 60s and so uh, you know taking uh, taking that perspective and highlighting that so I think within the telefilm there may be some uh, there's just a there's a broad range and I think it has that it that it's constantly evolving as well um, and how it you know shaping our understandings but um, that that is something I found really interesting and, and also that there are just more of them recently. So there was in this whole, you know, over 20 some period that I, 20 year period I looked at, there were just a couple in the nineties and then it's becoming more and more um, of interest, I think um, to audiences. And, and so we're, we're finding, we're seeing more on, on television that way. Now the uh, last chapter that you look at, um, you examine feature films, and um, there are a, a few where Maghrebi women are playing leading roles. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, what what kind of uh, themes or uh, patterns do you see in kind of the representation of uh, their subjective experiences? Um, how, how do these fit with kind of the, the broader narratives about Maghrebi women in French society? Uh, are they challenging dominant stereotypes in France or how, how do you feel like these are viewed? Sure. Um, so yes, in this, um, this chapter I looked at, um, so, you know, how the, uh, my kind of key question was to what extent do these films invite viewers to come to a better understanding of, of the, the women portrayed in the films. And as you mentioned, the, um, the, the really exciting things is that there are women in the lead roles in some of these films and or in key uh, in, in in key roles um, and I looked at I, I noticed in looking at these together and I think that's one of the things with the approach that I took with the book is that I, I wanted to include I couldn't of course talk about everything but I saw I watched at least there are probably 70 films, um, if not more, but at least 70 that are mentioned in the book. And that I knew I couldn't go into depth about all of the films. And so, of course, uh, you know, within the project, I make some uh, some selections. But one of the things I wanted to do is to, to look at this broadly, to look at some trends and uh, and just to kind of see, you know, how, how are different people approaching this? And um, something I noticed in the feature films is that, and looking at women's voices, their experiences and subjectivity um, and how their voices are uh, being communicated. You know, th- some of these are done uh, in, through you know, speech verbally um, and in, in, in different ways. So not just, you know, for example, uh, the film Rachida Krim sous les pieds des femmes, uh, where women tread. This uses, which is quite unique technique, a lot of voiceover. So we really get into the head of the, into the mind of, of the protagonist who, um, 
This is uh, someone who she and her husband were involved in the Algerian struggle for independence, and uh, they they live in France. And someone with whom so that, that they haven't seen for years, who was active in the movement with them, comes to their apartment and brings back a lot of memories, good and bad, mostly bad or difficult anyway. But um, in 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 this approach, the the director decided to have a voiceover commentary so that we'd hear the perspective of the first generation woman, which is something that's quite interesting is that the audience is, uh, the audience hears her perspective because it's a, it's the voiceover. Um, but this is the thoughts and what is communicated uh, is not necessarily transmitted to her family. So uh, we have, we have access as you know, as viewers to, uh, to her memories, the way she remembers things to, to her voice, to her perspective, to how she responds and what she thinks about this person who suddenly is back in their lives. Um, but it also addresses the fact that within the specific context that, uh, there, you know, memories, uh, are not always transmitted to the children. And so the, the, the daughter in the film has a certain interpretation of events and, uh, we see there's a real miscommunication. And so that's something particular to the, uh, but not limited to the Algerian, um, you know, struggle for independence and, uh, something that the, 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 the director, Rashida Krim wanted to, wanted to tackle. She is the daughter of, um, Algerian immigrants and who had been involved in the independent struggle. And, um, so that that was one you know, way into you know, talking about um, the verbal communication uh, that technically that that, that was done, um, and uh, then there's also on the other spectrum nonverbal communication, looking at um, you know, body language. Um, I mentioned earlier the film Inshallah Dimanche that uh, Fajri Deliba is the the lead actress in, and um, you know some of the the techniques that she doesn't say much in, uh, you know, in the film, but we are, uh, we share her emotions or we're, we're invited to share her emotions uh, and her perspective through, for example, music uh, that is uh, part of the soundtrack through particular camera shots, point of view shots. Uh, we see, for example, when she, uh, when she arrives in, uh, into her apartment, looking around the apartment, what is she seeing where her husband had been living for several years until they were reunited? Um, so that there's a, there's a real range of, uh, of techniques uh, in these different films. And then some of the films draw on both, um, of course, you know, verbal and both verbal and nonverbal. And um, so I guess within, you know, con considering within the project, itself, um, I think another important you know, thing to consider and that I would you know, try to bring across in this in the feature film chapter is that um, they're very there's a wide range of experiences and uh, you know and, and these films challenge you know the perceptions I kind of talked about at the beginning about this you know a silent generation disempowered um, generation uh, you know how how the women's voices are communicated and and that there's there's a very there's a real diversity uh, in terms of you know the, the the perspectives that are communicated, also how this is done, and even you know one of the um, the feature films is called Dissette Rue Bleu, uh, seventeen uh, Blue Avenue, so the address. And uh, something that was you know quite unique in this particular film is that the film actually calls not calls into question, but um, the, the protagonist in this, in this film, you don't always know when she's telling the truth or what she's holding back. There's a, uh, so, so to think about that uh, as well and how that's communicated. Well, overall, this is a really wonderful study. It's uh, an enjoyable read and it uh, makes my film viewing list very, very long, <laughs> which anyway. <laughs> I'm not as excited about, but uh, yeah, lots of wonderful stuff here. Um, before I let you go, could you tell us a little bit about some of the things you have uh, lined up in terms of uh, things you're working on? Sure. So one avenue I'm, I'm excited that there are, so since the book has been published, there have been two uh, feature films uh, that have first-generation women as the protagonist, um, two feature films that came out 
Uh, one, as I mentioned, is Dune Pierre de Cou de Fejria Deliba, really uh, interesting film. Another is Fatima, which won a lot of awards in France. That's by Philippe Faucon, who's a couple of other films I uh, talk about in the book. And so looking at, um, I'm next going to focus on those films and, you know, are they, what, what do they have to add? You know, and how can I compare, what, how do they compare to the films? Is this, does it fit? you know, well into kind of the framework that I establish, or are they doing some new things? Um, so that's one. And just because it was, it's quite astonishing to see actually, you know, two, two films and, and to see the publicity as well. And the, uh, to have films recognized because there's some really, some really great films. And so that's one kind of avenue. The other I've been working on, uh, really interested in uh, the careers and films of actors and actresses of, North African and West African descent in France. And so I've, I've worked a little bit on uh, Leila Bakhti, Rachida Barakni, uh, in, and also, you know, an actor like Omar Sy, um, and Hafsir Hossi is another one, uh, looking at these within the French film industry, what is the place uh, place made or being made for uh, actors and actresses of minority ethnic background? And, you know, it's, and also, you know, what kinds of films are being made? Are, what kind of choices are they getting? Are the, uh, the fact that there are more and more actors and actresses of or ethnic minority actors and actresses getting recognition in the film industry, uh, mainstream through you know, the equivalent of the Oscars, the César Awards, and others, um, is that having an impact and to what extent on the on the French film industry? So I'm looking um, to kind of go down those two avenues. So a lot of and there are more and more films coming out all the time. So it's really exciting yeah. <laughs> for me to uh, never run to out of stuff to. to work on. Exactly, just trying to keep up. Great. Well, uh, Leslie, thank you so much for writing this wonderful book and thanks for making the time to talk about it. Thanks. My pleasure. Thanks for the excellent questions. That was my conversation with Leslie Kellefer Kemp about Muslim women in French cinema, Voices of Maghrebi Migrants in France, published with Liverpool University Press in 2016. Thanks for listening to New Books in Islamic Studies. We'll catch you next time.